Coming up on Studios America, Jason Buttrell swings through with final thoughts on the end of the war in Afghanistan. I prove once again I am the omnipotent lord of the news cycle and, coincidentally, lord of the dance. And Joe Biden may feel like a badass for saying the war in Afghanistan is over and sticking to whatever guns he has, but we all know the truth of the situation. So let's do Joe Biden's retreat. Stu does America. An utter catastrophe in every single way imaginable. That is what the end of this war is, and it's all under Joe Biden's watch. Congratulations, you're terrible in every imaginable way. Joe Biden has overseen a retreat, a pathetic, pathetic retreat, and a, and a chaotic mess in every way that really we can conceive of. And I will say, even ways I couldn't conceive of just a couple of weeks ago, it's that bad. Of course, the media is starting to now get their sea legs. You know, when, when really bad things happen to Democrats, what you get initially, every once in a while, is some halfway decent coverage. What is going on? This doesn't look so good. Things aren't going so well. And slowly over time, the justifications come in. I mean, I'm looking at some of the headlines. Joe Biden ended the war in Afghanistan after, after 20 years. That's a BFD. His old uh, Obamacare quote from MSNBC, a Taliban takeover in Afghanistan will not be Joe Biden's fault from MSNBC. Biden deserves credit, not blame for Afghanistan from the Atlantic. In Afghanistan, President Biden had to play the losing hand. His predecessors dealt him mm, from the hill. Of course, Jacobin says Joe Biden was right to pull out of Afghanistan. Even the New York Times on the conservative column uh, said Joe Biden's critics lost Afghanistan. But the good news is everything's going to work out just peachy, I'm sure. We do have uh, footage from the Kabul airport, uh, or as you see, American troops. Do we have this footage? American troops walking through the airport. Look at this. Oh, doesn't that look great? They're taking the last look at the helicopters. Oh, no. Oh, no, that's that's Taliban troops in our uniforms right. looking at our equipment with our guns. <laughs> oh, isn't that wonderful? Congratulations, everybody. We've given the Taliban an, an international force militarily. And now we've walked away to let them play at the with the very best case scenario being they're murdering and raping all of their people. What a victory. Congratulations. Could you have possibly imagined anything better? We have the, uh, this is the last soldier who left. And uh, I mean, look, this was going to happen eventually. Sure. It just didn't have to happen like this. And the president decided to do a speech today where he just ignored basically what every question that everyone has. You know, when you have a question about the terrible process of the withdrawal, he tried to keep focusing it back on the withdrawal. Let me give you a few segments of this because it was, I, I want to say it was frankly infuriating to watch. It was a, an utter disgrace. It was, the whole speech was a, a disgrace. I, I, I can't imagine it being worse. I really can't. I, I mean, I should get a better imagination. That is my problem. I need to start thinking outside of the box a little bit because I keep thinking inside the box and I keep thinking it can't possibly get worse than this. And then this president continues to do it every single time he gets on television. This is an amazing speech where he sits there and forcefully says over and over again that basically nothing went wrong. I, I, 
where he can do an entire speech where he passionately attacks all of his critics, all of his enemies, and says not one negative word about the Taliban. How on earth can this continue to happen? Here is Joe Biden, uh, you know, giving a voice to the other side of the argument. Some people would say, what if we didn't do this in such a crappy way? What if maybe we started a little earlier and did it without utter chaos? What about that position? Well, that's silly, according to Joe Biden. Listen to his ridiculous answer. Now, some say we should have started mass evacuation sooner. Uh, you think? And couldn't this have been done have been done in a more orderly manner? Yeah, could it? I respectfully disagree. Do you? Imagine. If we've begun evacuations in June or July, okay. bringing in thousands of American troops and evacuating more than 120,000 people in the middle of a civil war, hmm. there still would have been a rush to the airport, oh. a breakdown in confidence and control of the government, and it still would have been very difficult and dangerous mission. Hmm. The bottom line is there is no evacuation. evacuation from the end of a war that you can run without the kinds of complexities, challenges, and threats we faced. None. Is there a person on earth who believes what he just said? I'm, I'll include him. But is there a single individual on earth who thinks that's a sensible statement? Who, who could possibly agree with what he just said? First of all, have you noticed how everyone keeps saying this is unprecedented? We were saying, like, this could be Saigon. And then we kept saying, well, remember Saigon? That would be a dream compared to what we're seeing here. Do you remember how, you know, everyone has been saying that? That's because all of our other wars that ended went better than this. Every war we've ever been involved in ended in a better fashion than this one. Saigon used to be the example. We blew by Saigon. We just kept going. We went all the way to the end of the road to the biggest piece of crap exit anyone could ever imagine. He acts as if we've, no, one has, no one has ever heard we went to war before. They have no idea. These people have no idea. They don't know how wars end. Let's just say this was the best case scenario. What the hell do you think we are? You think we're idiots? Every other war ever has ended better than this. And this is on you. And by the way, Oh, what if we, uh, people, some people argue we should have started removing people in June or July. That's after the deadline. The deadline was May. You took office with a May deadline. What do you mean some people said June and July? And no one at any time said try to evacuate 120,000 people in seven days. No one ever suggested that. Only you have suggested that. Why would anyone suggest that? It's insane. And it's only necessary when complete incompetence lines up with ideological certainty. And that is the sort of formula that Mao used to implement. It's why, you know, 60 million less Chinese or fewer Chinese people existed when Mao was was running the country.
because he kept saying, you know, I, I'm ideologically certain of this, but I'm also completely incompetent. Let's see what happens. That's the Joe Biden formula we're watching in action. Congratulations, everybody. June or July. That's after the freaking deadline. Maybe, I don't know. You started in, let's just, sit, let's give you some time to get settled into your White House and pick your curtains. How about March? How about April? Maybe you do one or 2,000 people a day. That whole time. Maybe it wouldn't be such a big interruption to the, to the city and the country if we had a few flights a day that took some people out. Maybe we did it that way instead of just running for the exits while the Taliban took control of the city that they offered to allow us to keep. And we rejected their offer. <sighs> There's also this thing he keeps saying. And it might be the single dumbest thing I've ever heard in a speech. Listen. I respectfully suggest you ask yourself this question. If we've been attacked on September 11, 2001, from Yemen instead of Afghanistan, would we have ever gone to war in Afghanistan? What? Even though the Taliban controlled Afghanistan in the year 2001? Uh... I believe the honest answer is no. Good job, Joey. Yeah, we wouldn't just start bombing a random country in the around the globe after somebody blew up our buildings. We'd go to the country it came from. Here's the thing. It came from Afghanistan. It came from the people you're currently depending on to save American citizens you abandoned. Those are the people who worked with Al-Qaeda to allow all this to happen. That's why we went to Afghanistan. No, we wouldn't go to Afghanistan if Yemen was responsible, but Yemen wasn't responsible. How do you think that's a good point? Joe also has an interesting vision as to what this might mean in the world. Listen. The world is changing. Oh. We're engaged in a serious competition with China. Are we? We're dealing with the challenges on multiple fronts with Russia. Ooh. We're confronted with cyber attacks and nuclear proliferation. We have to shore up America's competitive to meet these new challenges mm. in the competition for the 21st century. And this is the way you do it. And we can do both. Fight terrorism and take on new threats that are here now and will continue to be here in the future. And there's nothing China or Russia would rather have, mm. would want more right. in this competition in the United States to be bogged down another decade in Afghanistan. Oh, yes, that's exactly what China and Russia want. They wouldn't love anything more than an American military presence in their region, right? We all know if China and Russia could win the lottery, the first thing they do is, wouldn't it be great if America had a base nearby? Wouldn't it be great if America had credibility in the world? Wouldn't it be great if America didn't let down all of its allies and everybody who worked with them? And now every single war we have from now on, the people in that country will be able to say, don't help America in this war because they'll leave you for dead when it's over. Wouldn't, I mean, you want to talk about the, 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 the banner 
on the front of the Chinese and, and uh, Russian embassy. That's exactly what they want. They want an America that's credible, that's reliable, that's powerful and nearby. What? It's, uh, it's the number one thing on their wish list. That's right. That's what China and Russia want. What an, what an idiot. This guy is, he's the president of the United States. It's mind-blowing. And if you think this couldn't have possibly gone any better, well, I can understand why you'd line up with Joe on this one. Because, when I was running for oh, president, here we go. I made a commitment to the American people that I would end this war. There, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Today, I've honored that commitment. Oh, let me pl- applaud. It was time to be honest with the American people again. Mm. We no longer had a clear purpose in an open-ended mission in Afghanistan. After 20 years of war in Afghanistan, I refused to send another generation of America's sons and daughters to fight a war that should have ended long ago. He refuses. This is a profoundly ideological president. This is not how he sold himself. It's not how he's been for much of his life. He's honestly floated around the Democratic Party with any current that came by. But he is acting as a profoundly ideological president. Ideological certainty and utter ineptitude combining to, for terrible effect to not only our military members, but our families and the people who helped us in Afghanistan. I mean, listen to that quote again. I refuse to send any, uh, another generation to America's, of America's sons and daughters to fight a war that should have ended long ago. You can add, I refuse to send anyone despite the consequences. I refuse to send anyone regardless of the pain and destruction it might cause. I refuse to act any differently, even if we have to abandon our allies and our citizens. Our citizens. Our green card holders, our permanent legal citizens, thousands of them over in Afghanistan trying to figure how the hell to get out. This is despite everything he's been saying. And I'm not, ta- I don't need to go back to when he came into office in the Senate in 1972, or when he first ran for president in 1988, or when he second ran for president in 2008. I don't need to go back to his campaign promises or what he said his first week or what he said his second month. I don't even have to go back to July. I will in a second because you need to know what he was saying in July. But let me just go back to what is it? August 19th. This is 12 days ago. Listen to the way he responds to this question from George Stephanopoulos. Because we've got like 10 to 15,000 Americans in the country right now, right? And are you committed to making sure that the troops stay until every American who wants to be out yes. is out? Yes. yes. How about our Afghan allies? We have about 80,000 people. Well, who, that's not the Is estimate. that too high? That's too high. How the many? estimate we're giving is somewhere between 50 and 65,000 folks total, counting their families. Does the commitment hold for them as well? The commitment holds to get everyone out that, in fact, we can get out and everyone should come out. What a lying piece. He wouldn't even let George Stephanopoulos 
finish the question because he was so sure. He was so certain he'd be able to get all of those Americans out. He didn't even let him finish the question because he wanted to communicate to you that he cares. He doesn't care. He doesn't. Jim Garrity in the morning jolt today wrote about Joe Biden's promises. And that speech that he made where he said, look, uh, the Taliban's not going to take over the country. Uh, the, the, the probability of that is very low. That's kind of what we remember that speech for. But he said a lot of other things in that speech. And I want to give uh, some of just highlight some of those that Jim Garrity pointed out. The drawdown is proceeding in a secure and orderly way. We're going to continue to provide funding and equipment to the Afghan military. We're going to ensure they have the capacity to maintain their air force. This is after we'd already pulled the people out that were supposed to be maintaining the air force. U.S. support for the people of Afghanistan will endure. I maintain our diplomatic presence in Afghanistan. That's gone. We're going to continue to work for the release of detained Americans, including Mark, excuse me, Frey Freyricks. I want to pronounce the name correctly. I miss, I misspoke so that he can return to his family safely. Heartfelt. We're going to make sure that we take on the Afghan nationals who work side by side with U.S. forces. We're going to make sure their families are not exposed to danger. And our message to those men and women who helped us in Afghanistan is clear. There is a home for you in the United States if you so choose. And we will stand with you just as you stood with us. That's a month ago. The man is a disgrace. He's a disgrace as a president. He's abandoned the people who helped us. And he's hurting our country. And he's a legitimately terrible president. As a person who came to you and said he would be a bad president, even I am shocked about how bad of a president he is. So I, I, I sort of got off track here. I had other things I wanted to say, but I got really, really angry going through that whole thing again. The important thing to remember here is that, yes, the war is over and Joe Biden's going to tell you it's a triumph. And slowly over time, so will the media. But remember this day as a as an incredibly dark day in American history. We have let down not only our allies, not only the troops who went and fought there, but we have left people behind. We've done the one thing that we as a country always say we don't do. There is no hurdle lower to clear for the United States of America than that. We might screw up a lot of things, but the one thing we don't do is leave people behind. And we've left people behind. Hundreds of our own citizens, thousands of our legal residents, tens of thousands of people who sided with us in a war against their own countrymen 
We've left them there. God only knows what's going to happen to them. Yesterday, we saw footage of people hanging off of helicopters. Comedians have been murdered. Poets and singers are being murdered in the streets. God only knows what's happening to the women. And all of this under the watch because of some ridiculous ideological fever dream of a terrible president who lost every time he tried to run before and somehow got into the Oval Office and is now implementing this terrible strategy with no regard as to what happens to anyone. It's a disgrace. Back in a second. <sighs> it's one of those days. That's what they, isn't that what they call hangry? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I just didn't have my, you know, Snickers bar today. Although if you have a Snickers bar, it's going to pack on the pounds. I guess the real reason to solve your hangriness is going to be Built Bar. Built Bar is here to save the day. I don't know if it's going to cure what I have today. Frankly, <laughs> I don't know if anything can cure how annoyed I am today. But I will say, if there is anything, let me give you some, some ideas. Maybe coconut, maybe mint brownie, maybe double chocolate, maybe salted caramel, maybe cookies and cream. Maybe a, an unbelievable treat will turn this around. I don't know. It's something to try. Luckily, Built Bar is not going to make you into a giant balloon. There are 180 calories, 18 grams of protein, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 net carbs. They're fantastic. But you don't have to believe me. Get a mixed box. You'll get all the flavors. You could try them. Like two of each in a mixed box. They give you 18 bars. You go to built.com. Built.com. The promo code is Stu15. You'll save 15% off your first order. Promo code Stu15 for 15% off at built.com. Joining me once again, Jason Buttrell, head researcher and writer for Glenn Beck. Jason, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, let's talk. I mean, this is this is the deadline day. Now, when we talk, everyone kept saying Biden's deadline. It was the Taliban's deadline, and they're they're giving us red lines now. Uh, we did get everybody out uh, that was at the airport. The military members at the airport were removed. However. Uh, react to the fact that we leave Afghanistan with hundreds at least of American people still there. What's interesting is uh, I've never seen a military operation done to where the timeline, you know, dictates the mission, right? Mm. It's usually, you know, the mission dictates the timeline. So if you've got a timeline, but the mission calls for something else, you adjust the timeline. Now, I know that they negotiated with the terrorists, the Taliban, um, and supposedly that's what, you know, they, they said that they were going to allow us to do what we needed to do to evacuate. But if it was past the August 31st deadline, then, you know, they would, I, I don't know if they would start attacking or what. But I, my response would be, who cares, you know, at yeah. that point. And they're being so willy-nilly with the numbers. So we go back to, you know, Saki saying that they don't know how many Americans are there. Then for, you know, like an official count of 10 to 15,000, which that was an actual quote, 10 to 15,000. So there's, you tell us there was 5,000 that you're just kind of not sure about uh, that are in the country. <laughs> um, then they go and say that they've evacuated uh, like 5,100 Americans. Okay, so that doesn't, let's go to the low ball number. <laughs> it's not of 10 your or 15,000. That's not 10 or 15. 
So are there 5,000 still out? Because they are saying that there's all around 200 or so Americans that are still stranded in Afghanistan. But is 200 <laughs> greater than zero? I'm missing this. Right. I, our, our whole point here is we were told by the president when he told George Stephanopoulos they will right. have this. This deadline means nothing if Americans are still there. Right. And what meant nothing were his words. Right. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely ridiculous. Um, I've I've I don't this has got to be a first that the military and even said I think the military yeah, the military actually said I can't remember which uh, figure had said it. But um, said that, uh, yeah, we didn't get everybody, but we did the best we could. That is Aww. unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable. So let's go through some of the, the left arguments here as it applies to this. I think you can consistently say this was a complete and utter catastrophe. But also, given the circumstances that they had, they did airlift a lot of people out in a short amount of time under a lot of stress. I give the military credit for that, though, not... Not not the president. No, no, no. Uh, politics has driven everything on this. Absolutely everything. And let's let's go back to the election. You know, they, they reoriented the entire establishment from the DOJ, Department of Homeland Security, the intelligence community and the military. They completely reoriented, reoriented them to look interior, to look inside and find out all these crazy white supremacists that were just right. falling out of the rafters. You know, I mean, there's everywhere, <laughs> so apparently so many of them. Um, the, the Secretary of Defense stood the military down to look for them. Uh, the intelligence community and the Department of Homeland Security said that white supremacists were the number one threat to the country, which is just an absolutely ridiculous statement. Mm -hmm. But that's what they were looking at. That's where the people that are not supposed to be politicized. So they're not supposed to be politicized. But the Biden administration, and the Democrats wanted to ride the coattails, January 6th riot and seize that moment and redirect everyone looking for these crazy right wing extremists. That was their focus. Um, politicized from the very beginning. And yes, I do think that went into us being, you know, not as prepared as we should have. Then you fast forward to negotiations with the Taliban, which is hilarious to me. Negotiation, negotiating with terrorists. They're negotiating with, ter with the terrorists. And the terrorists say, if you this is outlined in a devastating article, I think it was in the Washington Post, I believe. Um, but the terrorists said, look, you guys can have Kabul up until the deadline, which was August 31st today. You guys can have Kabul, secure it, whatever. Just get the heck out of our country, basically. Mm -hmm. Or we'll take charge of it, and you just take the airport. Well, they took the airport. Now, a lot yeah, of people... That, meaning the American people, Yeah, the, the Joe Biden, selected, we'd rather have just the airport than the whole city. Right. Now, now, there's no reason for us to... There's no strategic reason to do that. It's just if we might need more troops, right, to potentially um secure the entire city and biden didn't want to commit anybody and that's where the politics come in for this as well he just did not want to be he didn't want the headline saying biden is pull, uh, putting in five thousand more troops to secure kabul or even not even to secure kabul just to secure like a corridor from where the americans and the our allies were along that uh, that main route to get to the airport which i when i came on here last time we showed that little corridor that yeah. they needed. that's what they needed to secure right there and yes, it probably would have taken five, six thousand soldiers. But guess what? He had to do that anyway. Mm -hmm. And an oh crap button when he hit it to secure the airport. None of the entire debacle, all of that chaos was because they chose the political move of not wanting to have those headlines. That, 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 that's it. So politics has driven this ever since January, ever since January. And just for the mere fact that he didn't want a bad headline. That's why the chaos happened. And so and to your point here, we covered this earlier this week, Bagram Air, Air, Force, Air Base, where this would have been the type of situation would have been really helpful to have that, obviously, in this situation. Um, and 
the excuse was we couldn't secure Bagram and the airport. Uh, we had to choose one of the other, one or the <laughs> other. Now, first of all, it's, we're the United States of America. That's ridiculous. But when you read the actual statement from the military, what they say is we couldn't secure them both with only six or 700 troops. And that was what we were required to have. So the decision is made again, politics driving the mission, not the mission driving the politics. They decided to say we're going to have the 600 on this day, no matter what is going on. And that wound up burning us in a massive way. Right. And the amount of troops obviously was not a sticking point for the Taliban because yeah. they knew as well that we'd have to pull in more troops to secure gr the greater Kabul area. Mm -hmm. So that was not the sticking point. Yep. So it was fine with the Taliban. It was fine with the terrorists for us to, you know, do that mission. But it wasn't fine for, for Biden and his lackeys that apparently I, I'm just I'm amazed that the institutions that, you know, are supposed to protect us, they're not supposed to be political. But the Biden administration has politicized the hell out of them. Hmm. And I mean, th there's just no other way to look at it right now. I cannot believe if you're the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, if you're Millie, if you're Secretary of Defense, Austin, I don't know how you look at yourself in the mirror without resigning. You know, General Mattis, right? So agree with him. Don't agree with him. He quit after uh, he resigned himself after the Syria pullout. Mm -hmm. He was not happy with that. Um, I served under Mattis and I love him for his uh, his battlefield experience and, and for his command of my unit specifically when we were in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, some people criticize him for leaving the Trump administration the way he did, but at least give him the credit of knowing when to step down. Right. Right. Like he did not agree with the president. He was going to be vocal about it. He didn't agree with it. He stepped down. What's the excuse of Lloyd Austin and General Milley? What is their excuse? Right. I mean, I can't, there's no way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try not to cuss anymore. <laughs> there's no way in heck yeah, that yeah, they yeah. said, yes, Mr. President, we should abandon Bagram Air Base. There is no, no, way. Way. no way. There is no way. There is no way that they didn't hint at the coming chaos that would happen of not securing the Kabul Air, uh, Air um, uh, City as a whole, mm -hmm. um, bringing in all those additional troops instead of hitting the oh crap button. And then bringing the troops in anyway. anyway. There's no way. No. So they're either incompetent or I don't know what, uh, but they need to resign. They need to step down. Yeah, I don't know whether, I, I mean, uh, frankly, I have real trouble trusting Millie in particular because of some of the comments he's made recently. But like all the reporting is, and this was likely fueled by Millie and Austin's behind the scenes, you know, leaking to reporters, but all the reporting is they were all over Biden and saying like, here's other options. Let's not do this this way. And Biden ignored him because he he wanted to pull out. And there's, you know, there's a column today in the New York Times by their conservative columnist, <laughs> um, one of their two conservative columnists, um, who says, look, this is you know, yes, this this went really badly at the end. But the bottom line is the people who had this thing going for 20 years are now arguing we should have been in there for longer and you can't trust them. And, it, you know, you got to rip the Band-Aid off and this is just the price you pay. <laughs> well, that's a, maybe, I don't I don't think he I don't think he'd be uncomfortable with that summary. But, you know, you can read the piece yourself if you think that's uh, overly summarizing his point. It's 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 ridiculous to compare, you know, the the need for us to pull out of a 20 year war and the way that they pulled out of a 20 year war. Right. Um, it was also the Trump administration's goal to pull out of Afghanistan. They're mm -hmm. the ones that negotiated it to begin with. Um, talk to any libertarian or, you know, most conservatives. They would say, yes, we need to end this war and get out. 
That is not really an argument. There are some people that said we should have kept 2,000 soldiers there almost indefinitely until we knew for sure. When's that going to be? They probably they won't. They wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah. Um, and, but again, 2,000 troops. If they're not in harm's way, we have 50,000 troops in South Korea right now. We have 35,000 troops in Germany. Do we count that? Is Germany our longest war? Like, I don't look at it that way. The point is, are people out there in the middle of conflicts? Are they are we trying to break up civil wars? I understand Afghanistan and Germany are much different, but that's the way to look at whether you have an ongoing war or not. And the, the idea that if we have Bagram Air, Air, Air Base and the and a perimeter around it secured, to be able to respond to something that might happen in that area, that's not an ongoing war. It's an ongoing presence. And some people, like libertarians, really don't like that. Um, but that's totally different than the way it's being promoted in the media to me. Yeah, the, the, it's, it, that's an, it's an interesting argument, the, the, you know, the, just, I guess, the continued use of Bagram Air Base yeah. uh, for as long as we see fit. It, mm-hmm. It's not out of the realms of, you know, normally, n- normalcy everywhere else in the world. Right. I mean, we've got bases everywhere. I'll give you Guantanamo. It's, right. uh, it's Cuba. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think I, but I, I is that, I guess his point though is, look, something, there was always going to be a reason to keep troops there. There was always going to be a reason to not pull out. But, but you know, several presidents in a row have said it's time to get out. And Biden, yeah, there was bad consequences at the end, but Biden pushed through it because the over, overarching point of we needed to get out, this needed to end, he was right on, and we should give him a break. That's, uh, that there, it's not just the New York Times <laughs> saying that. There are, the, you know, the, the media is trying to find a way to, for Biden to get out of this catastrophe, and I think that's the way they're trying to go with it. You cannot give him a break. It's so, so ridiculous, that, and that's the argument they're using, that, oh, we needed to get out. Yeah. Well, okay, so I'm not really arguing that. I mean, I think you could make right. your argument that you just said of a more of a continued presence like a Bagram, places like that, you could make that argument. Um, if you wanted to say, just barrel on the, on the lines of we need to get out, you still have to deal with his handling of the evacuation yep. of those final moments. You cannot give him a pass there. No, I don't know how you're either just lying or you're carrying water or I don't know what, but it's indefensible. And you cannot this, defend the way they did it. Yeah. And part of this, too, is like the war itself is a 20 year period spanning multiple presidents, all sorts of generals and leaders and all of this. And it's sort of hard to unwind who's at fault. It's not hard to unwind this one. Yeah. You know, you can say you don't like the way Trump negotiated with the Taliban, and I, I have some sympathy for that for that position. However, like, if if Joe Biden came into office, it was inaugurated on August eighth. I'd give him a real break here. The guy was it was January. He had he had months before the initial date, which he moved back. And still blew it like this. I have no sympathy for him on on this particular point. Um, Let me move on a little bit, though, before we run out of time. You accompanied Glenn uh, along with a very small group on his trip to the Middle East here when it comes to the Nazarene Fund and everything, all the work that's going on. What can you tell us about what happened? Um, very productive trip. Um, we tried to broadcast. I think we pulled it off most days. One yeah, day no, was yeah. kind of there's, cu- there's a couple times in the middle of interviews, Glenn, <laughs> we just go to color bars, and I'd be like, ah, oh, that's right, Congressman. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Afghanistan? Right. We had a couple of those moments. Um, but no, very productive trip, and it, it helped us get closer to the time zone that um, the guys we were reacting with in real time uh, that yeah. were doing all of this. Um, the, the guys on the ground were phenomenal. Um, our little detachment was in contact with them pretty much 24 hours a day. 
Um, it was pretty crazy. We were kind of on the time. We're still in central time zone here in the United States doing radio and TV. Mm. But uh, then we're staying up all through the night to try and coordinate with other time zones on where we're going to take the refugees that we got out, where are we going to put them? And so now it's pretty much, I think, I think even today, they're still trying to coordinate some last minute flights out of Kabul. Um, but now the, 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 the mission is kind of going towards, and this is kind of where we were transitioning over the last day or so that we were in the Middle East, on how we're going to get them out of like intermediate countries where they're just kind of holding them there. Yeah. And to get them to their forever homes. Yeah, because mission one is to get them out of harm's way in the immediate term. But it's 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 a lot. There's a lot more to the job than that. Yeah, and it's 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 really kind of crazy because normally you would think the State Department or something like that they're the ones that would be heading you know initiatives like this. This is all privately directed. So you have private citizens, and there was a couple of individuals that were part of our group. And man, I hope a movie is made out of what they were able to pull off because mm. they were nonstop on the phones. They're speaking English to us, you know, pushing mute and speaking English to this, shifting into another language, talking to heads of state. I mean, it was wow. wild. Um, but that, so that's where they're, they're at now. And I think hopefully within the next few days or week or so, we'll be able to actually say when they give us the authorization, you know, where they're going to end up going. But it's... I mean, God was involved in this entire thing. I mean, entire thing. I saw some amazing things, and I cannot wait till those final details come out. Well, I, I, I would love this story to be told as well, but if a Hollywood movie is made about it, you're, you know you're going to be the bad guy, right? Like, <laughs> the Nazarene Fund will be like the villain of the story being rescued from the very wonderful and loving Taliban. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a Netflix <laughs> production by the Obamas, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Jason Buttrell, head re uh, writer and researcher for uh, Glenn Beck. Glenn's going to go in on uh, his show tomorrow talking about basically who should be resigning yeah, uh, yeah. from the military. So that's going to be a really good one. Don't miss it. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Promo code is Stu. Uh, you'll save 10 bucks off your subscription. Jason, thanks for coming on. Thanks. So I'm taking a couple deep breaths. My voice is starting to fade here. But I think... I think I can move on to something else. I've been telling you about the Jeopardy thing for a few days. I don't know, a couple of weeks. And we've been talking about how the executive producer of the show was named the host. And then there was a controversy. Apparently he said a naughty word in 2014. He was kicked off the show. Uh, but he's going to remain as executive producer. That was August 19th or, 19th or 20th. Let me, let me show you the day that that happened. Let me show you what I said on the air. Bottom line is, this was so offensive that he's now had to step down. They are saying he's going to remain on as executive producer, but come on, these scandals come like this. How many times have we seen this? You don't get the backup job. Once you give up the main job, they don't keep you in the backup job. They throw you there for a couple weeks until they get too much heat for that, and then they're gonna throw him out. If this, honestly, if this thing lasts a week with him as the executive producer, I'll be surprised. Back to August 31st for a moment. Mike Richards is out as Jeopardy! executive producer. What a stunning development. <laughs> uh, also, he's losing his gig as the executive producer of Wheel of Fortune. Bad couple weeks for this guy. Uh, again, 
Did he actually do anything wrong? I think he really did piss some people off behind the scenes. He maybe had some sharp elbows. His comments in public were not actually problematic for anyone. It was just a nonsensical scandal that people wanted to elevate their own profile and make uh, and, and ruin, you know, this guy's career, which they have successfully done now, at least for the time being. So congratulations. Your naughty words equal people getting fired uh, plan has worked out well once again. I wish you all the success in the future. Back in a second. StudiosAmerica.com is the place to go to get the links to everything you need for the show, the merch, the social, the viewing and listening pleasure. Uh, YouTube carries all the shows. Just search for my name, Stu, and I'll be the first channel there. Uh, this one comes in. Sad, sad, sad. Does the left really want to be identified as the home of brainwashed youth, the emotionally, mentally, and spiritually ill, people who use emotions instead of reason to make basic decisions? It's a rhetorical question. Well, then I won't answer it, but yes. Yes, they do. Um, another one here. Uh, by the way, five stars is the appropriate number of stars on the reviews. This person knows this. Says this is the appropriate number of stars. Love the show. Love your sense of humor and breaking down the headlines of what's going on in this crazy world. I talk about your show to a lot of family. And, of course, five stars is the correct number for a review. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, you're right on that one. And I do appreciate it. Uh, also, um, I want to tell you about uh, the subscription. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is the place to go. If you want to subscribe to uh, the entire network of The Blaze, you get all the great shows. I know we've added Jason Whitlock. There's a couple of new shows I've heard are coming very soon as well. And I think if you watch the coverage here of Afghanistan as we go from the we have no choice but to cover this disaster mode into, hey, how do we cover up for this disaster mode? You're going to need a conservative source we know all the censorship that happens on all these, net, you know, all these tech platforms and everything. We're doing our best to cut through it for you. The easiest way to make sure that we can stay close and stay, stay in contact is blazetv.com slash stew. Promo code is stew. You'll save 10 bucks off. You'll get the radio show every single day. You get this show every single day. You get Glenn TV a couple times a week. You get Pat Gray every day. Uh, you know, Crowder and Levin and Jason Whitlock and so many more. Make sure to uh, check it out. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Back in a second. Okay. So here's what happened. Ladies going through McDonald's drive-thru. Something I've done millions and millions of times. However, this has never happened to me. She looks ahead, a few cars ahead of her, and she sees a cow in the back seat of a sedan. Okay, uh, that's very strange. Uh, here's the video, and the caption reads, there's a whole ass cow in the back of that car. Now, you're a little far away. We're gonna zoom in a little bit here, and you can see the little pretty face of the adorable cow riding in the back seat. The actual story winds up being there were three cows in the back seat. You just couldn't see the other two. Just very strange. And yes, a cow in the back seat of a sedan is noticeable. But is anyone else a little disturbed that they're driving a cow, three cows, through a McDonald's drive-thru? It's like the graveyard of 99 billion cows before them. <laughs> I mean, that's just torture. Uh, the, whoever's driving that car. First of all, I like your restaurant choices, but don't be so mean to the cows. Before we go, Taliban merch 
Uh, TalibanJoeMerch.com. He's the person of the year for the Taliban, and we've honored him on shirts and, and mugs. Get yours. TalibanJoeMerch.com. See you tomorrow.